Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. It's our weekly podcast featuring in-depth interviews with experts from AccuWeather and from around the world, bringing you behind-the-scenes information, stories, and news on the weather, climate change, and the outdoors, covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now, here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather meteorologist, Dean DeVore. Friends, welcome in. Episode 7 of our summer series, Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Good to be back from vacation as we roll on through this long, hot summer that for many parts of the Northeast and the Great Lakes has gotten even hotter. Is All that heat and humidity that we've been talking about for the last several weeks has now been pushing up into the Northeast and Great Lakes. And not just the United States, Great Britain has had unprecedented hot temperatures. Dr. Liz Bentley, Executive Director of Royal Meteorological Society will be joining us in our second segment to talk about that, a little bit about the weather. But up first, all this hot weather and heat has done a number to some people's gardens, especially in areas that were having such a good growing season early in the year. Let's talk gardening and the summer heat on everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. Friends, thanks for being with us. Enjoyed my uh, couple of weeks in Cape Cod. Had a marvelous time up in Provincetown. And those folks, uh, certainly that shark-related issue that we did with the shark migration has certainly been important information. We've seen more and more shark bites and interactions along the uh, coast from uh, Long Island up to the Cape. And we'll certainly keep updating that information. When I came back from my vacation this week, my garden was a little bit of a mess because of all the heat and dry conditions that have been building. And we got more of that going on. As we said in the first opening Raise of Focus segment, we're going to talk about gardening here as we then turn our information to the heat. Doug Oster has been a frequent guest here now on Everything Under the Sun. He's the gardening expert that you hear on KDKA on Sunday mornings at 7 a.m. Eastern. You can catch that on audio. Odyssey.com on demand anytime and just say to Alexa, listen to KDKA or Google and you can pick that show up Sunday mornings or anytime. Doug Oster joins me to talk about how to garden through summer heat and drought, some things we can do in this late summer garden season, some bargains we could pick up and some great weather tips as the weather meets your life in the garden. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com and here's my interview with Doug Oster. Doug, great to have you back in. Um, as we were talking, as we were getting ready to do the interview itself, it's a little frustrating, especially I know there are parts of the country that have had this heat and the drought really all growing season. And I feel for them, there's certainly a large part of the country as you head farther north, Great Lakes and over into the northeast, New England. They were having an amazing growing season at the early part of the summer, late spring and early summer, getting good warmth. We were getting uh, frequent rains and, and intermediate rains. It wasn't raining all the time. It was just nice rhythm. And then all that heat and humidity that got 
was bottled up in the middle of the country is now expanded northward and in a big way. Um, you know, I happened to be in a good spot for a couple of weeks in New England, where even though it was dry, it was still pretty temperate. They hadn't had gotten to the real hot and dry stuff. But even those areas, Pittsburgh, I know, was baking. Um, we did get some nice rain in parts of the Northeast and the Mid-Atlantic uh, that were uh, baking over the last week or so uh, over the last couple of days. But then as we drop this podcast here on Friday, we're into another stretch of hot and humid air. So, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about this time of year because we're coming off kind of making that transition into the mid to late season and late summer flowers. Dahlias are going in my garden, the phloxes, the tall phloxes. Uh, and and some of the things, but, um, you know, there are some things that are really took a hit here with this heat and humidity. And I think some people, Doug, kind of get maybe this time of year when it's challenging and the watering is necessary and it's it gets a little bit tough mentally. You saw something that was beautiful that's struggling a little bit. What do you do about it? So let's talk about a few of those issues here as we uh, welcome you in here to everything under the sun. Um it's been challenging, as we said, but what are what are some people do? People have to pick their battles in the garden this time of year when we're getting these hot and humid situations where, um, you know, watering every day may be impractical or not very economical and those kinds of things. So talk about maybe some of the things that you look at when you're what can I say? What can I in these kinds of long, hot situations? Well, summer gardening is easy when it rains. <laughs> Very much. But boy, is it tough when it doesn't rain. And even somebody like me who is really into gardening, uh, I get I, I get discouraged when there's no rain. Uh, you know, you're basically just kind of keeping the plants alive by watering. And I've got probably 40, 50 containers, a 30 by 40 vegetable gardens, some new trees. You know, when I'm talking about new trees, I'm talking one or two years old you know, planted that long ago, two years right. ago, still, you, you, you're just keeping them alive. And if you're going to be a gardener, you're going to have to go through these ups and downs. That's what it is. And the downside is dry drought, no rain. It's just, it, it, it affects my entire mood for everything I do. <laughs> you know? I feel you. Luckily here in my area in Pittsburgh, we had like two days of rain after right. that dry spell, but I'm already looking at containers where they're going to have to be watered or the stuff's going to die. So you're going to, you have to drag the hose around. You've got to get water on these things until you get rain. That's just the, the way it is. And this, this will pass. It always does. You know, it, it, what's most frustrating is watching the radar and seeing a, a, a thunderstorm cell <laughs> split up and go right around you. you I know <laughs> I, that. Yep. I, I hear that a lot where, you know, somebody gets two inches of rain and somebody gets absolutely nothing this time of the year. Well, you so, can see that. You can see that in the lawn. Sometimes you're going along and everything looks great. And then you get into an area that obviously has missed thunderstorms, maybe a couple of them. And it's looking like the Sahara desert. Um, when you're looking at that, uh, when is the best time to water? Um, I, you know, I've always felt like mornings are the best. Um, you know, that old adage, you don't want a plant to go to bed with wet feet. Um, 
Is that the same scenario in this scenario? Or do we look at watering twice a day if we can? Spurts in the morning before the sun's coming up and maybe just right after the sun's at least about ready to set or just about to go down? Is it a two-time watering day if you can in some of these situations? Uh, You're exactly right on trying to do it in the morning. And I use the word trying. Uh, Watering in the morning is the best thing just because when you've got plants that are susceptible to fungal diseases, if you leave water on there overnight, you're you're helping that disease. But it's better to get water on a plant no matter when it is than not water it. That's how critical this is. And the thing is, containers might have to be every day, but your vegetables, your flowers, the the, the key to doing this is, is to try to get out in the morning and, and it's a real soaking. Soaking is so important. And I know it's time consuming. It's one of my least favorite jobs. <laughs> you know, I, I'll take the hose out. I'll put it on a tomato plant uh, because I don't want to overhead water. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if you do that in the morning, but it's a, it's a big waste of, of so much water. I'm trying to use the water the best I can, which means the base of the plant. Base so, of the plant and kind of think about where those plants' roots would be and how big, and then just get that area in that circumference, maybe a foot or two around the, the, the center of the plant, correct? Let it, let it run for 10 minutes. And while I'm doing my other jobs, you know, I'm going back and forth. Sometimes I'll be writing stories and I'll just set the timer on the microwave where you know, okay, it goes off. I stop writing and then out to the garden, move the hose. But but getting that water down there deep and for those plants that are in the ground, they really only need to be watered once, maybe twice a week. But if you do that soaking, they need one inch of water per week. Now, we, you know, when you're at 90 degrees for an entire week, that's a little bit different. That's, that's definitely twice a week. But you'll be surprised at how resilient plants are that are in the ground, that are established. The thing is, with containers, containers are such a great idea in April. Oh, <laughs> I, I love this. Yeah. Oh, it looks so good. And yeah. it rains every day. And then you get to July and you're cursing yourself for, like me, having 40, 50 containers that they have to have water. That's all there is to it. That's one of my jobs today. And, you know, I missed my opportunity this morning. But for a container, I, I got to get water on it. I, I, I love these plants. I don't want them to die. And I'm just going to water. And when the weather gets a little cooler, I'll, I'll be doing a lot of fertilizing, too. And another thing you have to be careful about any midday watering is if you leave uh, water on some of the leaves of some plants, uh, that water droplet can act like the prism and then burn holes in the leaves and create damage that way, too. So that's uh, another reason not to or, or try to avoid watering in the middle of the day, especially unless you're going right to the to the to the ground level and with a soaker hose, like you said, and, and going right to the roots from there. But, yeah, you just got to be careful of that. Right. I can't stress enough how important it is to keep the water at the bottom of the plant. When I'm doing my containers, I'm not watering the plant. The top, the top doesn't need water. People often think you need to put water on the top of the plant to cool it off or something. It doesn't need water. The roots are what need the water. And so keep that hose or whatever you're using the water at the very bottom, whether it's in the ground or in the container. And that's just, just how I'm doing it. And there's no better feeling though, after you go through a period like this and you get like a two-day rain or even just a a wonderful soaking half an hour of four yeah, yeah. mother nature free watering storm. soaking yeah it's it I, I 
I thought I heard the plants singing the other day when we got that here in Pennsylvania, Doug. I, I really, I did. And, and then everything the next uh, hour or two, it just looked, it looked like, oh, you know, like people, when you give them a free t-shirt, you know how they get excited. Uh, this is, that's the way the plants looked the other day here. I was, I was duetting with my plants because I was singing too. <laughs> Baliachi was, I think, uh, coming <laughs> from uh, from those uh, those tunes. Um, you know, one other thing, too, is, you know, we've the stuff that was prevalent early in the summer. Uh, for me, it's peonies and, and poppies that I uh, the poppies um, really looking rough now. It, it's time, I think, just to cut them down. Right. Just get get rid of all that junk. Uh, they will regenerate. This is their kind of low time right now, July, August. But by later on, when we get through this ring of fire of these days, we'll start to see that growth again at the bottom and then everything will be all right. I know we, we had such a great poppy season this year and it's just sometimes, you know, my partner's like, I don't want to cut them down because then they won't come back. But that's not true in some of those stuff. So that peonies still look pretty good, but I think they're going to start to fade here a little bit and really you let those go especially uh, the ones, uh, the uh, the herbaceous ones will get cut down later, but obviously the tree peonies and the, the etos are a little bit different. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's some cleanup going on. There's also opportunities. And this is one, another thing I wanted to talk to you about because I just saw one of your Twitter feeds the other day that talked about this is bargain time at the garden centers where you can get some good stuff cheap. And especially with this weather right now, I know I was at a, a local gardening store and they were having to get rid of a lot of stuff because of this heat and humidity that we've been dealing with the last couple of days. So this is a good opportunity to do some gardening and get some stuff that you may not have thought about earlier and and and, and get it at a good price right now. I'm glad you brought up poppies because I don't have poppies in my garden until yesterday. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you got a good bargain. I got a bunch of poppies in three inch pots <clears throat> two bucks a piece wow you know there you go. What, what you said let's go back to the that dormancy and so yep. certain plants like a poppy a bleeding heart uh i've got some some garlic growing uh, on just just small little that i harvest just for the greens that that goes dormant when we get to this hot period and so yeah anything that's that's brown and laying there and looks dead, dead is dead. It can be removed. But the case of your peony, that's something that you would prefer to just let it naturally at the end of the season fade into the ground because those greens are feeding the root down below. So every plant's a little bit different, but dead is dead. And I, I, I tell people that a lot. When it comes to bargains, man, I am the number one cheapskate gardener <laughs> and I love getting bargains. And I'm going to the nursery almost every day. Uh, I got lilies, lily bulbs for 50 cents a piece, really nice ones that are potted up, ready to go. You know, I'm going to have to wait till next year for those blooms. But but patience is, is what gardening is all about. Right now, I'm enjoying last year and the year before all those discount lilies I got. They're doing their thing now. I don't mind waiting for these the, the, the next one next year. It, there's an exciting anticipation when you're when you're buying a plant now and it, not all plants have to be like some of these these bulbs that i bought have a chance to bloom this year but then what I, the other thing i'll get for a steal is i'll wait for the lilies that are in big one gallon containers once they're done blooming at the nursery they're impossible to sell right there's only, there's only one way that they're going to get out of there and that's mr cheapskate comes in there and say, 
I'll give you a couple bucks for that, and they'll be all right. Here you go. And then but you're all not, then not you're all that. set for next year with them because they're going to look beautiful by then after you give them some tender loving care at the at the home here in the next couple of weeks. But even this season, hanging baskets, annuals, uh, to to plug in holes. Seriously, d- depending on what climate you're in, big hot peppers. You know, hot peppers that like that's one of the things I I, I talk about all the time at the nursery. Then the reason we're going to a good nursery is those plants have been watered and fertilized and they already have peppers on them. And you could put some hot peppers in like a big container. Yeah, you got one more container to water. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and then get some great hot peppers in, in less than a month. You know, all sorts of deals at the nursery r- right now. And as I said, I'm, I'm going there uh, basically every other day. And, and I, I, I'm scoping out what I think they're going to to, to dump <laughs> oh i know that one yeah look at that i love that i love that but it's still xxx i wanted to wait to get it to xx Can oh, you know, is, oh i do a lot of, i do a yeah, lot yeah. of that i do a lot of that because That's again awesome. you know in my climate zone five zone six i still have another three four months to enjoy these things and one other little trick okay is, is to look for things that have a that are grown from a tender bulb so that would be dahlia Caladium, elephant ear, uh, tuberous begonia, things like that, where you can save that bulb if you're so inclined or tuber at the end of the season over the winter. Now you're getting a double bang for your buck. You're getting it at half price or quarter price. Uh, you're enjoying the, the flowers or foliage all the way through frost. Then you're saving that bulb over the winter and replanting it. And then everybody who comes to the garden, you can say, I paid two bucks for that. And I've got three years out of it. <laughs> We're talking to Doug Oster. He's host of the organic gardener radio show on our great Pittsburgh AccuWeather affiliate, KDKA radio 7. AM on Sunday mornings. His motto is if he has to be up that early, so should you. And you can talk gardening and, you know, you can listen to KDKA anywhere. Just say, Hey, listen to KDKA to your Alexa and, and uh, to your Google, and you can talk to Doug from anywhere in the. Uh, you'll, I know you'll take calls from anyone anywhere in the world. Uh, to, yeah, yeah, to we talk get about. We get, them, we get them from everywhere. I know. Always, always watch, or I'm sorry, listen to the show later. It's, it's always streaming. If you're not up at seven in the morning, right, then- right. But to <laughs> to actually participate and ask a question, and we're gonna on one of these mornings, we're gonna get together. We did it once. We had a fun for about 10, 12 minutes. We're gonna do it again here pretty soon to talk um so anything else as we wrap up here doug to think about here now as we go late july into august something that maybe the average person might want to try just for a little experiment uh in terms of maybe doing something a little bit out of the ordinary uh as you said this is the time where things can be cheap things can be fun i know we got the challenges with the weather but um, still a couple of months more. And and the way the temperatures, especially farther north, stay warmer longer, you know, it seems like these growing seasons last another couple of weeks longer than, say, when we were kids. So anything that you can think of here that you like to uh, pass on, maybe a little tip to some folks? Me, that, definitely. We're already looking into, and I'm glad you brought that up, because our season has been extended, you know, over these last 20 years. No doubt. And so we have this longer time to plant as gardeners. And so right now I'm, I'm planting things like when, when my garlic came out, I'm putting in bush beans. Right now there's time for bush beans to do their thing. Lettuce, arugula, Swiss chard, beets, mm. things like that in the vegetable garden. 
can be started now for this fall harvest. And we want to keep thinking about that more, you know, sowing more lettuce seeds because you want that lettuce to be ready when your tomatoes are ready. And lettuce hates hot weather, but if you if you give it a spot that just gets morning sun, afternoon shade, or if you throw seeds under your tomato or pepper plants, you know, you can grow a nice carpet of lettuce there. Keep planting. That's that's the thing. Keep planting so that you will ha your garden won't be done at frost. When you've got these greens going, they will go all the way in again in zone five six, will go all the way at least through November nowadays. And with that extended season, let's take advantage of it. When you we have a slow start to winter, you look like a genius. When we have a really, you know, sometimes even with our climate now, you'll get a November where you'll get two weeks where it's just like, oh man, it just got too cold. But you can still harvest and enjoy your flowers, enjoy your garden a lot longer. Think about that. Think about spots and things that you can put in now to extend that season. Doug, always great information. Always great to talk to you. Thanks for your support back channel too. Uh, enjoy our little back and forth on Twitter. Thanks for uh, talking about weather and gardening where the weather meets your life right here on everything under the sun. Thanks for having me. It's always fun, buddy. You can follow Doug on his website, dougoster.com, D-O-U-G-O-S-T-E-R.com. All the information on where you can get him. Uh, he appears on Pittsburgh Today Live in the uh, Pittsburgh market. He also was on KDK, as we said, at 7 a.m. Eastern time on Sunday mornings. If you can be up, if, you, if he's up talking gardening, you should be up to talking it with him. And you can hear it on demand, as he said, on odyssey.com. Thanks to Doug. And we'll talk with him more here in a few weeks as we start making more of the turn from summer into fall. Friends, we're going to go across the pond. Our friend, Dr. Liz Bentley, chief executive of the Royal Meteorological Society, is waiting in the wings to talk about records heat in Great Britain, their heat wave situation, a little update on where we are on Weather Photographer of the Year. That's coming up next. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Whether you're at home getting ready for work, packing the kids' lunch, or commuting, listen to AccuWeather Daily. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and you'll get the top trending weather story of the day every day. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com as we roll on here and uh, we are going across the pond to our friend, Dr. Liz Bentley, Chief Executive of RMETS, the Royal Meteorological Society, our great partner here at AccuWeather. Uh, they partner with us to help bring the Weather Photographer of the Year contest, but I wanted to talk to Liz before that a little bit about the incredible heat and humidity you know we've been talking about it uh, with our gardening segment there here in the united states but whatever we've been feeling they've gotten it even worse in um, the uk setting two days in a row all-time records one was broken on tuesday and then it went another 0.1 degrees celsius higher than that to 40.3 on Wednesday, and as we record this, Liz, on Thursday, you still look like you're sweltering. It, it's awful. It's uh, the hottest temperatures ever recorded in the UK. I guess, you know, growing up as a weather enthusiast, a person living their life in Great Britain, did you ever think you'd see 40 Celsius in your lifetime? 
No, not at all. And it's been interesting, Dean, because we were looking at the weather forecasts even 10 days ahead of this event happening. And the American forecast, GFS forecast, actually had some of its model runs with 40 degrees across the UK. And we, we looked at that. That's the first time I have ever seen 40 degrees in a, a weather in forecast. In a model run, right. In a right. model run. Yeah. And uh, we thought, OK, that's the extreme end. But it's telling us that these things are now possible. And that was the thing, the discussion, I think, going around on social media about 10 days ago was, OK, you know, we don't expect 40 degrees. And then it happened. Mm. But we weren't expecting it at the time. But to see that in a model was a real, you know, that was unusual. And then other models, the European model, the UK model, all started to come in line. And we thought, OK, this really could happen. And we were watching that heat build across Spain and Portugal. You know, Portugal got 47 degrees Celsius a few days before us. The heat came up through France and then eventually up to the UK at the beginning of this week. And, oh, yeah, records were just tumbling left, right and centre. Kind of mirroring what's been happening here in the country. We've had a lot of heat bottled up in the middle of the country, some really nasty heat. Uh, you know, our friends in St. Louis, they're on their sixth heat wave already um, uh, in the summer. And so... Now that heat has surged up into the Northeast, so uh, we're seeing the same thing. And similarly, the GFS has been really the better of the models here in the long range of talking about how hot this would be. Um, you know, numbers are one thing, Liz, but effects are another. And, you know, there are parts of this country and even in the Northeast, we are built more to handle it, uh, this intense heat and the stretches of it, maybe two, three, four days. But not so in the UK, and we've seen infrastructure with roads and railways buckling, and it's really put a, a real dent into people's summer there on the aisles, right? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, we, we don't have air conditioning as standard here in the UK, in our homes, in our schools, in our hospitals, in the care homes where the elderly are. You know, we, we, we build our buildings are there to keep us warm in the winter, not cool in the summer. So we really struggle. And we have this kind of mentality, I think, in the UK. When the sun comes out, we open all the windows and doors. Because yeah, you want to enjoy it because there's times yeah. of year you don't see it much, right? Absolutely. So we were encouraging people to follow what our friends who live in the Mediterranean do, which is in the daytime, shut the doors shut and windows, down, yeah. shut the curtains, shut the blinds. Do not let any of that heat in and only open things up when it's a little bit cooler overnight. But that's just so unusual for us in the UK. And then, as you say, the transport networks. So some of the rail networks were saying that the temperatures are so high, it was outside their design criteria. Oh, so wow. they had to just shut down the rail network on Tuesday afternoon because the temperatures were too high. Some runways at airports were melting or the, they were starting to buckle upwards. So again, a few airports closing. We just aren't built for these temperatures. So some real problems for us here in the UK. And obviously, look, um, the reality is this may be the first of this situation going forward because we are tracking. And as you have been talking with us, and especially with uh, uh, the global warming summits and everything that have been going on, I mean, the research that you folks and the Met Office and everybody has done, this shouldn't be happening if it wasn't for the emission of greenhouse gases. And so, you know, again, this puts into the perspective the importance of some of the work that was a little frustrating to you all last year when some agreements didn't get made. And we're still looking at other world problems to take the heat away from people thinking about what we can do to make this situation better across the world. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we're, we're seeing 
more records being broken here in the UK. We're seeing that around the world, these extreme high temperature records keep dropping at far too frequent a, a basis at the moment. So, you know, we're expecting, um, at the moment we'd see 40 degrees Celsius in the UK as extreme, but if you look at the climate models by the middle of the century, that's gonna be quite normal for a typical right. British summer. And that, yeah. we, you know, as I say, we're just not geared up for this. So we're gonna have to do something. So we've got two things, aren't we? It's about mitigating against climate change, how we can reduce the amount of greenhouse gases we put in the atmosphere and the fossil fuels that we burn so that we limit that heating any further, but we've got to adapt. You know, we're seeing problems already that's only going to continue so how do we come much more become more resilient to to dealing with these heat events in particular and wildfires you've seen the wildfires mm -hmm. across europe western right. europe we had a number here in the uk again they all started to kind of trigger off as soon as that real heat started to pep up and it was really windy on tuesday if you were outside it was like being in front of a hairdryer mm. so once those fires started they, they they you know they got to work really quickly and they moved really fast so there were lots of property and businesses that were unfortunately just burnt to the ground so real problems for us i think you know not just with managing the heat uh, but the the wildfires that we again the climate models are going are showing that we will see more wildfires in in the uk as we go forward in time as well yeah france uh, i think has been really struggling with that uh and and the heat and the humidity there in fact uh i just had that in front of me wasn't there a, a famous um um person that had canceled their concerts right now because it's just uh, their their voice has been wrecked by by this. Yeah. I have to look at that. Uh, one of the the famous we, singers. We have a motorway around the uh, London area. It's the M25. It's mm -hmm. infamous in the UK. You've probably heard of it. It right. just goes around in a circle. It's been given all sorts of names over the years. Some I won't mention on this, on this podcast. <laughs> um, but it's... Well, this is a podcast. <laughs> We're allowed to be a little cheeky sometimes <laughs> but yeah there were so many fires popping up in that just around the m25 this circle around london that it's now been renamed the ring of fire because of these wildfires that were popping up you know in suburban parts of london these weren't just on kind of heathlands or grasslands a million miles away from where people were living these were in the suburbs of london phenomenal really to see yeah, uh, and definitely, indeed. Yeah, I'm looking back. It was actually uh, Eddie Vedder. Um, hmm. To those in Tans anticipating a great Pearl Jam show tonight in Vienna, uh, he had to cancel because of the heat and the the smoke and everything. Really, it affected his voice. So um, that's that situation. Uh, look, I, how long for you guys? Uh, I, I know we backed off a little bit here from that, but. Uh, just like here in the United States, I mean, this eastern heat wave looks like it could be a week and may even go a little bit longer. The GFS starting to hint that early next week is maybe a little hotter than it was thinking just a, a couple of days ago. So um, where are you guys at in terms of your forecast with this heat wave? Uh, is it going to wane a little bit, but it is going to come back? How are we doing there? Yeah, so it, it already has waned. So the, we had a weather front come quite an active system, some thunderstorms on there, but it, the wind direction changed. It cut off that extreme heat from the continent for us. And so temperatures are still above average, but it does feel a lot fresher than it did uh, earlier in the week. But we were again looking at the, the model, the forecast as we go into the weekend and early next week, because again, it looks like another push of heat. It's not going to be anywhere near as hot as it was on particularly Tuesday this week. But, uh, you know, we could be into the 30s Celsius again here. So uh, keeping an eye on that. So yeah, I don't think the heat's completely gone away for us in the UK. Professor Liz Bentley, the chief executive of Royal Meteorological Society. Again, 
in partnership with AccuWeather, the Weather Photographer of the Year contest. I know you've been busy. You just uh, finished your judging a bit, and you're getting that short list down to about 22. And we're going to be putting that out here in about three, four weeks about people can do their own voting to the 22 shortlist. But I know that you said off air that you are just happy and ecstatic and amazed at the amazing weather photos and 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 images that you've been seeing in this year's contest. Yeah, so the judging this week, uh, we've done three categories. So there's the overall weather photographer of the year category, the mobile category, category, and then the young category. So all three were judged this week. We had a, a, an excellent group of judges. So we had uh, the um, the winner of the, um, the the public vote joined us, Sergey. He joined us to uh, to, to to judge as well. Uh, we had Jesse uh, from AccuWeather joining us uh, to to judge. So it was a really it was all done virtually because. Obviously, we've got people dotted around. Uh, Sergey was in France. Jesse was in the US. There's a few of us in the UK. So we did the, the judging virtually. Some fantastic images this year, and we we commented on that. And it was a real challenge to get it down to 22 in in that final shortlist. Um, but there's some fantastic images there. Can't wait to share it. But at the moment, what we need to do is we just need to double check that those shortlisted images are all legitimate. They're in the right category. You know, the, the photographer is the person who took it and they haven't just taken it off the internet, those kind of things. And then we'll share it next month. Um, and then we have that public vote, which runs for about four weeks, takes us into September. And uh, hopefully we'll be back on actually talking about that when we open up the public vote and uh, talking about some of those fantastic images. Can't wait to see them. Dr. Liz Bentley, my friend and colleague and uh, someone who uh, we commiserate together with all this stuff. So glad to talk to you. And uh, we'll look forward to talking with you in about four weeks about that short list of where people can vote for weather photographer the year their choice. OK. Yeah, good to speak to you, Dean. Take care. And as we jump back over here to the other side of the pond again, let's take a quick look at the weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond. Heat wave is the word on the national map for the weekend, all the way from Texas up through the um, Central Plains, all the way up through the Tennessee Valley, the Ohio Valley, and into the Northeast. In fact, this is going to be, looks like a week-long heat wave in some of those areas. You know, is it going to be interesting? A place like St. Louis may stay with a week-long heat wave until about Monday, take one day break and not get to 90 and then right back up in the low 90s. So that's long, hot summer for the those areas continues. And we'll see if the heat wave gets broken down early next week with some showers and thunderstorms in the northeast, places like New York and Boston. You're going to want to stay tuned to AccuWeather.com. We've got monsoonal moisture with some shower and thunderstorm pop-ups over the Four Corners area. And showers and thunderstorms will be prevalent later in the weekend, first in the Great Lakes and then up into the interior parts of the northeast as we get later Sunday. Whether that makes it to the I-95 corridor still remains to be seen. Friends, that'll do it for this week's episode of Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Make sure that you're keeping up to date on the latest AccuWeather forecast with your app, your AccuWeather app that you can download wherever you get your favorite apps through our AccuWeather network, through our AccuWeather website, AccuWeather.com, where you can also get a feed of AccuWeather now on there. And we're also looking at 
keeping you up to date on our great media partners, including the radio stations that I happen to be privileged to be part of here every weekday morning. For all of us at AccuWeather.com, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week talking about tick-related illness. There's been some more concern about that as we see more and more cases of that. And even longer into the season. Uh, it's not just a spring thing anymore or a fall thing. Even in the summer, uh, tick-borne illness is becoming more and more of an issue. We'll talk about that, also about the skies and everything else where the weather meets your life. For our executive producers who are spending a little time on vacation this week, Ken Prell and Andrew Robb, and for our hundreds of team members who work so hard every day to weatherproof your life, I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. On everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at AccuWeather.podcast at AccuWeather.com. 